Welcome to Saltivation. The Saltivation Show is a podcast series featuring the leading voices in salt, where we talk about the issues and strategies to help you make sense of state and local tax. Everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Saltivation Podcast, where we are joined by Nikki Dubay today, who is a senior tax counsel for the Council on State Taxation. Today, we are going to look into the Nonprofit Trade Association and try to understand some of the inner workings of the state tax brain trust. Welcome, Nikki, and thank you for being here today. Thank you, Meredith. Thank you, Judy. Happy to be here. <laughs> and of course, the great Judy Bordrin of Saltivation. Hello again, Judy. Hello, Meredith. Hello, Nikki. (laughs) And Nikki, it is our understanding that you have accepted a new position and going back to a law firm. So let us be some of the first to congratulate you on your new position. Yay. Thank you. (laughs) Looking forward to continue working together in this new role. I know, right? We'll just start there. You've had kind of a very career beginning in law, moving to public accounting, and then ending up at cost. So for those, that's the you know common nomenclature for the Council on State Taxation. So what path, well, and then going back to the law firm. So what path kind of took your career that way and kind of shifting between kind of industry buckets, right? So you've got law firm, public accounting, and then, you know, this trade group. Um, so great question. And, and one that I have been thinking about quite a bit over the past few months as I'm um, been thinking about making a transition. And, um, you know, one of my early mentors used to always ask me, what do I want to do when I grow up? And I had a very difficult time answering that. Um, and so I think for me, um, when, where I've been, I've, I've just tried to master the things that I've been doing. And then at some point I want to master something new. And so, um, I've, I've made a jump and, and looking back, I, I really can't think that I've how, that I would have been ready to be a partner in a law firm, you know, seven or eight years ago when I left. But, and so I went to PWC at that time and, and there I'm just so grateful for the experience I had working on tax compliance. And, and while definitely not my favorite thing, and I think a lot of people have that experience, um, so I don't think I'm alone there. It, it, it just taught me so much and has helped me so much um, in understanding how to interpret the words on the page and then how to explain that to legislators. And then obviously my time at cause, not only have I learned an amazing amount about the legislative process, um, you just, the world opens and in, in, uh, the state and local tax world opens and you get to know the members and the practitioners and, and the who's who, and that's just been an incredible experience. Um, and I so, I'm so glad I didn't start this job during COVID because <laughs> not being able to travel <laughs> would have been challenging, but really looking forward to the next step and and also really looking forward to continuing to work with folks like yourself. That's a great point because oftentimes like when you read the law, you're like, okay, great, but I'm pretty sure the person who wrote this has never tried to put pen to paper and you're just like, that that doesn't make sense. Like seriously? (laughs) And like, as you know, this is kind of off salt, but like the CARES, like the CARES Act and tax reform, you're like, did you guys really think about like what that means? Like clearly not. And so, you know, I think that's amazing that, you know, organizations such as COS can help act as that bridge 
to just comment there that when I joined cause that was my biggest learning curve is I when I started I would march into the legislators into the legislative hearings or committees and you know I had all my notes on tax and I would sit down and I would just tell them about tax and I would and I became very quick or I learned very quickly that when I looked up, they were all checking their phones or staring <laughs> out the window. And they, because they don't live in this world we live in. So they right. have no idea. So I, um, I very quickly changed my approach to make it so easy for them to understand how difficult what they were going to do would be for taxpayers to comply with. And whether or not they thought it was the greatest policy in the world, it was just going to be an incredible challenge. And, and I think that did make me an effective advocate for our membership, because that's really what I, um, you know, where I saw the conversations needed to go. And somebody did tell me early on when I was very nervous because I had to testify about unclaimed property, which I know nothing about. And the person just said, I guarantee you, even if you know almost nothing, you know more than they know. Almost nothing is more than zero nothing. (laughs) So they're like, so just walk in there. You're the smartest person in the room on this and just say whatever you think will help. So Yeah. Well, and it's true. Departments of Revenue don't really know how to deal with taxes either. And you find a lot of them have never even done a tax return except their own. Right. If they're an employee, right. that's a pretty easy return. It's a 1040, right? So, right. you know, I have found that kind of astounding. Like they're administering the tax laws. I have had auditors not even know how to read a financial statement. They haven't known what an accounts are. And you're thinking, you're asking me about a partnership deduction for a guaranteed payment as if it's an expense of the partnership? Okay, you don't get financial accounting. In fact, many years ago, I thought about hiring auditors because we're getting audited right, left, and middle, my clients. And then I go to meet some of these people who worked in departments of revenue. They're not even CPAs half the time, right? Mm -hmm. So they're not even in the same field that I'm in with an undergrad, you know, I have a CPA myself. And so I'm like, they don't understand financial accounting. So why I can't hire them. They can never advance themselves at the, in public accounting because you got to be a CPA just to get kind of beyond that. I mean, we've definitely changed that in the state and local world, hiring attorneys and not necessarily CPA um, qualified using other credentials to give credibility for advancement. But I was sort of astounded by that. Yeah. Yeah. That there is this, and then I talked to the, you know, especially here in Colorado with our home rules. Yep. Like they don't even get that all these home rules create a total complex mess for taxpayers. How how the heck are they supposed to deal with 71 plus the state jurisdictions? Great, great. Yeah. 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 It's interesting. And then of course, political things are so about the the headline, right? Yeah. Not necessarily the administration. I, I actually spoke years ago in Idaho at a conference and I, you know, there were some legislators in the audience and I was like, I don't really know why you're giving this $800 per person payroll credit. Do you know how much time it takes for us to figure out if some <laughs> one person qualifies? It's the, it's, the, it's the volume that helps, but that's all across a number of taxpayers. So you're saying, oh, we gave a million dollars of entitlements. Well, if I'm only getting 800 bucks here and there, what do I care? Right. Like you've just made it a ton of administration for me that cost me way more than the eight hair bucks you just gave me. So it's an interesting, it's an interesting dichotomy. And I think that's, it's, you've got to be effective in that. And I think that experience at PW getting in the weeds of that mm-hmm. is huge. In fact, I'm an attorney as you, and I started public accounting and I'm copying W2s and 1099s. And I've called my husband. I'm like, 
I am a copy queen, right? And he's like, you just got to get experience. I'm like, I did not go to law school to copy stuff, right? Doesn't matter, but you're going to make the best damn copies there are because that's That's how you you create that work ethic. You create that strong foundation and you just suck it up and you put in the time and you just, you know. And then you know, and then you know what it's like to really be a person out there in industry. So, you know, and then you can feel their pain and their compl- the complexities. And I think that really helps you be a better advocate for them and working with them as a client service professional. So, yeah. And I, I said that so many times while I was at PwC to Judy, like I did not go to law school <laughs> through that. <laughs> but uh, to your point, Meredith, right. it, it all made me a much better advocate. And, yeah. um, you know, and I, I can even in my time at cost, there were often times where I would be the only person in the room who had prepared a tax return so I could talk to our member and just say, okay, yes, I know. Where is that going to show up on this return and this yep. thing? And, yeah. you know, and that, that is something that um, the other folks at, at, at cost just didn't have similar right. experience with. So, well, right. Right. so, so can, then yeah. when you work in state and local tax, you know of cost, right? Correct. It's just yeah. kind of this it's, you know, kind of this wizard, this, this unknown, but you know, it's there. Right. And they're right, like, right. We're sticking up for you when like you're on the calls. Exactly. <laughs> right. So then what role really does cost play in the greater, like multi-state tax conversation? Sure. So, and so a little history. Um, so, you know, going back to, um, you know, the, the 1950s and when the states were going down the, we're going to try, we're trying to figure out apportionment and we don't really, we're going to do it all sorts of different ways. Um, there was the Willis Commission that came out and studied, I think it was a Portland cement case that said, you know, the states can apportion however the heck they want. The states thought that was all great. Um, but then the Willis Commission came out, Congress put together this committee to study it. And they were going to draft legislation, essentially imposing a three-factor apportionment formula upon the states and say, states, this is how you have to do it. From that sprang the multi-state tax commission, because the states, of course, you know, came uh, roaring up and said, whoa, 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 you know, 10th Amendment, 10th Amendment, um, no Congress, don't act. So they came together, formed the multi-state tax commission. Um, formed the compact and started working towards getting the compact passed. And I think it had to pass in seven states um, before it would be a compact. Two years after the multi-state tax commission was formed, cost was formed. So we are kind of the antithesis of uh, the MTC. And so we are the taxpayer side that has worked closely with the MTC at times, been a strong, uh, you know, we've been adversaries at other times. Um, But really, the two organizations kind of go hand in hand. So we have the states on one side marching forward with what they want to do. And then cost is, you know, the company membership organization um, that, you know, works for the membership to advocate for, uh, you know, the taxpayer point of view in the corporate tax world. So that like, you know, nothing's ever equal, but in theory, you know, you've got equal representation from like a business side and a government side. Correct. Because the MTC is a quasi-governmental agency. It's paid for by the states, not by taxpayers. Cost is paid for by taxpayers, right? I mean, you're supported 100%. The only other thing that I think is interesting about cost is it's sort of the higher taxpayers or the 
right. higher. That's not large, a good large, word, factor. larger. Yep. Yep. But it, what I have found in my career as I've gone from the big four to a regional firm is there are a lot of people that are in a multi-state environment that would no way in heck belong to the, the cost, much less have someone like me on board, right? right? Only the largest companies in our nation can even afford big four counsel, even right. legal counsel, or hire somebody who can actually help manage that stuff. So there's a disparity in terms of the smaller businesses that are still pretty big, but don't have the infrastructure. I mean, the $6 billion companies are different than the $30 million companies. $30 million companies have the same issues that the $6 million ones do really. Right. um, If they're in a multi-state environment. And, and cost, I mean, it, there's no um, size requirement to be a member of cost. So anybody in the multi, you know, working or doing business in a multi-state environment could be a member. Our uh, dues structure, so we are all, you know, our, we are supported by member dues. Our, we have a tiered system with the lowest level being $3,000 a year. And that's a company-wide membership, you know. So very small companies can be a member of cost. They can get involved. Um, where I do think we run into some issues with the smaller companies is they they have a lot of, you know, their issues can be very different from the large companies, which have been traditionally the cost members. So you think of the GEs of the world, the Amazons, right. the Walmart, you know, um, and, and we are often thought of, I mean, in this role, I have been seen as the corporate lobbyist. Yeah, um, you know, for that sure. When I walk in, a lot of people don't even know I'm a tax attorney. They just think, oh, here's another lobbyist. <laughs> For big, you know, big companies, right? Um, but, but, um, but you know, cost is very open to smaller businesses. It just can be challenging, even if they can uh, do it monetarily. I think sometimes their advocacy positions could be different, and so um, you know, we we have always struggled there. And I think they they tend to go to like the small business organizations or their local chambers for more of that advocacy work. Well, and I think that what I find, I'm on the Coalition to Simplify Colorado Sales Tax, and I've been Mm -hmm. on the governor's task force for the last four plus years, trying to make meaningful change to our home rule sales tax system. And what I have found in our membership is it's it's not that they can't afford to join. It's who's going to take it forward in the company and manage it. The CEO is not, the controller might not be able to, maybe they don't even have a CFO, how the people that could run the issues up through the company don't have the time to right. actually spend what they need to spend to help do the advocacy work. So I think it's all fine and good to put your money in there. But if you don't follow the money with a person who's helping to give voice to the issues you need to represent, you're not going to get there. And people are busy with the job. And that's what I have found. It's like, we have a hundred dollar membership for our coalition. Just join, put your name on the roster, be right. a part of us, put your voice out there. Let us say you're here. And they struggle with that because they think, well, I don't know. Am I going to get anything out of it? If I don't, I get it because you're doing something and thank you, but I don't know that I can help advocate for myself. So that's the challenge I think with people getting involved, you know, are you going to make that membership meaningful to your company? And, and I also think just, you know, being in this role and seeing how things unfold in state capitals and, you know, to the project you're talking about, Judy, I've seen this time and time again, it's actually the small businesses that have a far greater voice oh, than yeah. the large company. I mean, I can walk in and testify on behalf of the membership, sound tax policy, say all the buzzwords. But if you get a local company in there, either saying we love it or we hate it, that has so much more impact. Um, and and so it is unfortunate that there aren't more folks that have time within those companies yep. to focus on the issues because 
they can be so impactful yes. in in this in this state and local area. And um, and I, you know, that's that's just something I've learned at cost. Obviously, it's not something we are often engaged in. Um, right. But but yeah, it's it's so in, important for them to to use their voice if they have a powerful message because. They're the ones that get, you know, the legislators stand up and say, oh, yeah, these are the guys that vote for me or these are the guys that talk to their neighbors. That's that right. Vote. Right. And, and that that's how you move the needle. Yeah, um, but it's also a challenge. I mean, people complain after the fact, but they don't get involved in the middle. Part of why I've done this governor's task force and this effort, and ironically, they're doing exactly what I advocated for four plus years ago, but that's okay. Took that long to make the decision. Someone said, you're not going to move that quickly. And boy, were they right. <laughs> but I thought, I got to do it. I believe in it. I've been doing it too long. I believe, and I'm going to do it of my own heart, right? I mean, yep. why are we lawyers, right? To kind right. of make a difference in this world. And hopefully that's my little marker in the sand, right? But I um, I don't think people realize like that, like you said, the slippery slope. And what I have come to see going from the biggest firm, you know, the world into a regional firm was how much that vote gets missed for the little guys. Mm-hmm. And the big guys can afford to pay someone like you. They can afford to hire someone internally as a yep. lobbyist. So we tried to get some of the even bigger taxpayers in Colorado to get involved and they have a lobbyist. Yeah. <laughs> so they're yeah. like, why would I throw more money at something else when I've already got somebody who's supposed to be doing that for me? So there's that challenge as well as they are, the bigger companies are giving the money meaningfully, but on, right. for their own behalf. So like you said, yeah. it's a small business. So that's very interesting. And then Costin used to be open to people like me until recently in the last yeah. one. That was a lot. I mean, we was like, no, you can't be in cost. When we were at, P, I was at PW uh, Deloitte. No, oh. we could be a part of you. Oh yes, yes. Now we have um, practitioner partners who we yeah. love. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you. Uh, yes. So and um, and they are also, you know, not members in the sense that the company members are, but um, we work very closely with many practitioners. Uh, you know, especially being so, my role at cost is slightly different than the rest of the advocacy team because I am regional. So, you know, I have worked very closely with many of the practitioners, you know, as issues come up in different states, just reaching out and saying, you know, this is what I think about this. Is this what you guys are seeing or, you know, just getting more background. So um, it's wonderful to work with the practitioners and um, they're Well, then we've, you've obviously spoken at KC and you've spoke, I mean, some mm-hmm. people from cost were represented at the, at the task force commission yes. meetings. Yes. And you guys, I felt like right there, you're telling people Colorado gets an F, but it yes. didn't seem like people really heard that. No, but that's okay. I <laughs> you guys, I mean, I went to a few of those uh, hearings and it was just inter- the, the, I thought it so interesting when you you realize that the the uh, local jurisdictions just don't trust the department, right? And it was like, whoa! <laughs> like, no, it's you silly. have some stuff to work out. Yes, yeah. This, <laughs> it's like I'm like dynamics. I'm watching mom and dad fight and yes. it's like, I don't like it. I'm going to yes. go in my room. I know. I'm like, I can help you here, people. This is yeah. like, you just this need to get a divorce. This like, is, yes, yes. And it's silly, really, especially with technology. It's really not what everybody thought. But right. once people thought it, they stuck to it yes, for yes. a long time. <laughs> well, and we've seen this in the COVID environment. I mean, you know, look at how everybody can work from home all of a sudden. Where Oh, I know, so right? businesses that were like, can't work from home, can't work from uh-uh. home. So. Yeah, isn't that funny? I mean, I remember even interviewing people and my partner saying, oh, they have to come in. I'm like, they don't have to come in. Yeah. I have two people who are remote. One's in Texas, one's in Minnesota. And I have another person who's remote here. 
doesn't yeah. ever come to the office. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you don't need to come in. It's fine. And now we don't come in hardly at all. Right. <laughs> I'm sitting in my dining room. Um, yeah. So yeah, totally. It's very, it's been a blessing. And that, that is one of the blessings of COVID for sure. Yeah. is to just show that responsible people will take their job seriously, no matter where they're at. Exactly. Well, so then kind of on that, how does like, how does cost decide what they're going to get involved in? You know, like where, you know, where are we going to focus our efforts? What's, you know, going to be the most meaningful for our taxpayers? What is just something that like, you can't do that. Like it's bad policy. It's like, how do you, how do you decide that? So, um, so cost is a nonprofit organization. So we have a board. Um, our board of directors is made up. I, I want to say 22 to 27 uh, members of the board, all from company that are cost members. So, um, so very, uh, you know, the members vary widely as to their types of business. We've got retailers, we've got, um, oil and gas, we've got, you know, um, telecom satellite. Telecom, yes. Like, very, um, so a, a broad spectrum of what the membership, uh, is. Um, and it's the, the, the advocacy team at cost puts together what we call policy positions or policy statements. These are all on our website. We've got about 26 of those, I think. Um, and so we take those to our board. For example, we, you know, we have a policy position against mandatory unitary combined reporting, against gross receipts taxes, um, uh, just focused on fair tax policy uh, administration. So fairness, right. transparency, um, those sorts of things. So so we, we take those positions to the board, the board votes on them. Those are uh, the advocacy efforts that we um, will engage in kind of proactively. So if any of those issues come up within a state, we are going to just you know take charge and go um, act in accordance with our policy position. Other issues are more on an ad hoc basis and, and really how we decide there is is it an interest? Is this an issue that is of interest to the broad membership? And right. um, if so, can the membership agree on the position? Um, so, for example, marketplace facilitator, the the NCSL model for the remote sellers and marketplace facilitators. Um, we've we've kind of been engaged on the sidelines, but not all of our members see eye to eye on exactly everything. So in some situations, we aren't able to kind of actively engage. So those are kind of the criteria that we look to on the legislative advocacy side. We also do um, judicial advocacy. So we weigh in uh, with amicus briefs and in different state cases. And there we just have a, a bit of a formal process that we go through um, to uh, we have a legal committee that helps us decide whether or not we're going to take a case and and very similarly if it's a kind of the guiding principle is it's a, an issue that's of uh, importance to the membership and there's not going to be a split amongst our members so an, an example of a split like we don't take a position on single sales factor or market-based sourcing because there's winners and losers and right. and you know that's going to impact our members in different ways so we essentially remain neutral but uh and if those issues come up we can go and talk about the policy you can be like an expert witness right like right, and like testifies right. like oh, hey you know yeah. we are experts within our field we are cost but and like here's yeah. information regarding it but right. you don't take a pro or con or whatever position. They obviously didn't listen to you in Nevada with the commerce tax. 
I, hey, I wasn't there when that went into effect. So that was it. Yeah. That was crazy. That yeah. was a crazy time in my career. Like, yeah. I can't well, believe they're doing this. Yeah. Anyway. Well, I, but I, you know, Oregon just did something similar. They didn't listen to me. Either, so. Yeah. Oregon's weird. It's like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so we it's like the, agree on that. the Ohio cat and Texas margin had a baby and then they spit out this Ohio cat. That's like yeah. some weird hybrid, but you can't really figure it like. I, like a, I have a joke about that. You want to hear it? Yeah. Sure. Okay. I love, okay. I love tax, tax jokes. jokes. Okay. All right. Um, so this is how I think of the Oregon cat. It's like the Ohio cat and the Texas margins tax were on Tinder. And <laughs> they swipe whichever way you swipe to meet up. I don't know which way that is. <laughs> and then they got a room for the night. And nine months later, you get this thing. <laughs> <laughs> it was a poor decision and now you have this lifetime effect that's of a right. poor decision i'm going to add that to the joke that's that's a- now it's a lifetime yes. problem <laughs> where is where's the oregon cat going to college right. <laughs> no one knows. nevada uh, no nevada right. or washington <laughs> or maybe it'll get together with a hawaii excise tax with a new mexico gross receipts tax who knows yeah you well, never know where they're gonna go on the, tinder the t- the Tennessee business tax too. Right. It's just there right. that no one knows about, but it's just right. There. I right, know. Right, I, know. Right. I just learned about it. There, and then I'm like, I went to this, this new, they're like, no, it's been around forever. I didn't know that Tennessee regards LLCs. Yeah. And a lot of people thought that they're disregarded, right? Everybody's like, oh, follow federal. I learned that quite a few years ago to the dismay <laughs> of some of our clients. I was going right? to say, and it's that always the hard way when you learn things. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. oops. Yeah. yeah. I learned about <laughs> Illinois. <laughs> I learned about Illinois throwout in sales for services under an audit. Yeah. No bueno. No. <laughs> Thank you for footing the bill on my learning. That's right. It's <laughs> quiet. Oops. <laughs> and it was funny. So the Colorado local jurisdiction auditors kind of have this group and they get together once a quarter and we were at one of them and they were just like, we don't know what to do about meal delivery services you know, cause there's fees associated with them, but you can either book directly from the website, but it's facilitated through Uber Eats. There's, you know, however many ways you can have four different platforms delivering for the same restaurant. It's whoever. And they're like, we don't know how to tax it. I was like, well then, you know, I don't mean to not pick on the taxpayer, but if you feel like you're getting cheated, send them a notice. Like, and cause they were just like, we don't know what to, we don't know what to do. Um, it's an interesting so, world we're in today with all this all technology, yeah. which people have wildly embraced, yet there is wow. this issue. I mean, I remember dealing with Hotels.com 100 years ago and Travelocity, Expedia. I mean, it was like, you're just a market. Are you really the vendor? Yeah, so that was some really interesting legal issues, which is, some have been resolved over the last few years, but then there's new ones coming in, so it always makes it ha- happy for us. And I think cost too was, you know, provided comment on the, at the public hearing for the modernization of public law 86272. That was a few weeks ago. Yeah. So that, um, you know, I can't, I can't remember the gentleman's name who kind of spoke on behalf of cost, but like, is, is, okay. So is it just like kind of those overriding, like big, large scale issues? Does that, you know, Cause you said he's general counsel. So how does that, how did he get assigned for lack of a better term, you know, get there so, on that? Yeah. So Carl and I have um, 
since I've been at COS, Carl and I have been the two folks on the advocacy team that cover the MTC. So kind of in addition to all the stuff I talked about, where we also engage kind of regularly are with the MTC. Um, and I that's been one of the areas I've focused on since I've been here with Carl. And then streamline sales and use tax. Mm-hmm. Um, that has been Fred nicely and Pat Reynolds have kind of focused on that. And that there's other organizations that we get involved with, but those are probably the two where we you know, stay engaged. Um, and so Carl and I kind of just divvy up the MTC work and I've been working on the combined reporting issues. And so he picked up the 86272 um, comments and, and there, you know, that was an issue we struggled with because as we discussed earlier, 86272 has limited applicability for many cost members these days because there right. are, most of them are pretty much everywhere. And a lot of them aren't just dealing in tangible personal property. Um, so it, <laughs> and coming back to something that where we started the conversation, um, talk about mansplaining. I had been following the <laughs> committee hearing um, in the 86-272 that, you know, the, the MTC's process is they have all these hearings or all these calls and everybody mm-hmm. provides feedback. And I early on in this process, it's been going on for almost two years. I was on the calls. They would just start talking about why if you had a chat on your computer that, you know, that now creates nexus or, or you lose your, not creates nexus, but it, you lose, you lose your protection to, to protection versus, you know, somebody being able to pick up a phone and call, you know, 30 years ago, and that didn't blow your protection. So, you know, and so I'm, on these calls, pushing back on them, you know, this is, you guys are trying to eviscerate this, you fast forward to um, the, the MTC annual meeting the year before, this would be in 2019, and there was this, like, somebody on the MTC just said, well, nobody's spoken up and pushed back, and we haven't gotten any comments, and two men, two male practitioners got up and said almost exactly what I had been saying three months earlier. And they were like, oh, those are great comments. And so later I had to be like, oh, I'd literally been saying those same things. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, um, so I let Carl take the lead on this because I just was like, you know what, been there, done that. Yes. So we put, you know, we just as a general overarching matter, we see the work that they're doing is just really eroding the protection and it, it, you know, we just felt like we couldn't remain silent and, right. and them to continue to say nobody's speaking up on this. So, um. and who doesn't have a chat box? Well, <laughs> and, and you can't. So go, chatting is now PL eighty six two seven. And the hard part about that exempt. too. Wow. You can't go to any website without right. having cookies embedded. Right. And so then there's that diff. I think they make the distinction between okay, if you're using cookies to just, you know, know where your person is, right? right? But if you're using your their cookies to determine or like push through like, oh, hey, remember you looked at this handbag? Like right. yeah. that's right. still facilitating a sale. That's still like marketing. But then, oh, wait, if you use those to run analytics and know that you have a bunch of people looking at this black handbag, you should ramp up production. That's a violation. Right. But it's like, how do you prove that you're not going to use, well, and if you have data, you're not going to well, not use the data. Yeah. I mean, and my 
not my favorite, but I mean, the one that just blows my mind is they said, if you have, you know, if, if your company has an employment section and you take applications, yes. yep. a person filling out an employment. So, you know, I'm a company that has protection in Oregon and I go online and fill out an employment application and the company somehow now has blown their protection because that's beyond the scope of like the company when i'm filling out an application i am not acting on behalf of the company that's right it's not I mean, purposeful availment it's I, not seeking a market it's just right. seeking a person yeah and, no. I mean, and so those are my comments very early on is just any functional website any company with a functional website very basic will like lose their protection and that yeah. just can't I get the law was passed pre-internet, but that can't be where we take it. You know, right. it well, has to have some meaning. And especially, you know, because we work with a taxpayer who just sells hair things directly from their website. Like they do well. They've already had to comply with Wayfair because they sell a $10 thing. So they sell, you know, 200, 200 of those of things. They don't exceed dollar threshold. So now it's like, okay, fine. We'll, we'll be compliant for sales tax. But now you're telling me I have to file an Iowa income tax return. Right. And because I, you know, I sell a thing. So typically when you sell a thing, you know, you have right. a margin and you create a sales price. So now I'm going to pay income tax because I decided to sell 200 how much things. Income tax? Like $10? Oh, yeah. Right. Oh yeah. Less than that. So I right? have to pay, yeah. you know, a firm who can handle, and a lot of like small practitioners who they might be engaged for their federal return and their local return. Cause they have no presence outside the internet, outside their home state, right. Right. small practitioners can handle a federal and a local return. All of a sudden now, you know, you have to engage a larger firm who has the capabilities. I'm going to charge you a thousand dollars a state return to prepare something for you because you now have to give Iowa $10 in tax. That's obscene. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it, and, and really the MTC's response to that was you should, um, states should impose factor presence nexus standards. So they, you know, so put in, and they have, they did say that they're willing to talk about whether the 500,000 is the right amount or should that be increased. But, but I, you know, it just seems like the federal, the state shouldn't be able to dictate what the federal law said, you know, it's not their job to interpret this federal law and whether or not it applies. I mean, I think that's what also gets lost in this is the MTC can say what the MTC wants to say about anything. They can say the sky is purple. They can get the states to adopt a law that says the sky is purple. But at the end of the day, if the if that's unconstitutional or violates a federal law, it, it you know, it will be invalidated unfortunately right. taxpayers are just going to have to now well, go and they, they, that and, i was going to say and that's three years out you, you you're like yeah. fighting over a ten dollar what i find is that it's the money right yep. like you represent yep. big money it's worth it to take it to court and wait three years by the way and maybe, not be able to do maybe, business as usual maybe yes yeah the little guys i know do it. you have a 50 a hundred thousand dollar dispute dispute no way can you litigate that yeah. no way you yep. just you fall no, on your sword and you 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 crash out. I mean, it's it's a really interesting push pull of the economics of tax and the ability to fight. And a lot of people are like, oh, I'm going to sue. I'm like, well, you think you're going to sue until you really do. And then you're like, why don't I have an answer? Why don't I have an answer? Can I push the judge? No, yeah. no, ticket, ticket. <laughs> well, I mean, and 
And this is something I would kind of a, a question or even a suggestion I would have for you guys as you work with smaller companies that are in this space where they're, you know, maybe they're not cost number size yet, but they've got real significant issues. Yep. If they have any bandwidth to get involved with the MTC, because there is zero voice at the MTC for small sellers. Um, I, I, there was a, you know, when they were talking about Wayfair and remote seller collection, um, they had some folks like Diane Yetter and, and probably other, you know, practitioners <laughs> that were working with Avalara, um, you know, they were talking then, but, but I think it's a voice that really gets lost and the states don't hear about it and they don't think about it and they don't understand that these decisions are having significant impact on, you know, small businesses and mid-sized businesses that are really just trying to make it and yep. you're going to crush them with state tax compliance for yep. what reason? Well, and yep. that's something when, you know, Colorado kind of went to like, or revised the position more or less, you know, right. Well, we to go to destination there. sourcing. Yeah. And, you know, there was a public, like there were small businesses that were driving up from like remote areas of Colorado that were like, I don't know how to do that. Like, and so yeah. I, th- and then that's when Colorado pushed back their enforcement date is because they had such a presence within from that small business community. They're like, okay, well, I understand. I want to get, you know, our fortune 100s that are based in Colorado. You know, I want to pick on them, but we always pick on them that we forgot about these guys over here that like, yeah, I might sell something to my neighbor and, you know, where the next county over people were in tears in the bathroom and speaking at this giant hearing we had several years ago. It was heartbreaking for me, which is probably why we've taken up the mantle to be involved because no one's paying me to be on this governor's task force. I'm doing out of my own sheer desire and will, and also um, to inform because I can speak on behalf of that. And honestly, from my perspective is I can't make money on that, right? I I can't make money to do a $10 tax return. No one's going to pay me to do that. So then I'm representing somebody that isn't fixing their problems. And that worries me too. So I'm like, I'm not gonna be able to get you out of it because you're actually wrong, but you don't want to comply because it doesn't make sense for you financially. And I totally get that. So I'm kind of pushing maybe a little bit for me too, because if I can make it simpler, they will comply. You know, right, right. so I, I would like everybody to have a win-win, right? The governments yeah. get a little something, the business gets a little something and anybody in the end, you know, it's all better for all of us. But if it's so difficult, people won't comply. Well, Only the largest companies will. And and think about, the, I mean, think about that in the context of when Wayfair came out, how quickly the states pivoted to the marketplace providers, because I, know. I think there was a light bulb moment for them where yay, 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 we won $100,000, $100,000. And then they were like, holy bleep, what are we going to do with all these tax returns? Yes. You know, and so then it was like, and then I think somebody kind of tapped him on the shoulder and said, marketplace, did you hear about the marketplace? Yeah. And they were like, woohoo. do that. Yeah, because I mean, I don't, I think they would have been crushed on the administrative side if they were going to have to get a return from every one of these remote sellers. Oh, no, Colorado, the DOR asked the legislature for 10 more FTEs and they turned them down because they were getting so many new registrants. They could not process the paperwork. And they're like, nope, you can't have any more humans. Oh, great. Like, you want me to do this same amount of work and then some? Right. And and with this new law, like, are you cray cray? I mean, it's just interesting to me, the legislative push pull with the departments of revenue. Yeah. 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 So yeah. Anyway, it's just interesting that you say (laughs) that, like, be careful what you ask for, but 
I don't think I've ever seen a state in my entire career move that quickly to get all the darn Wayfair laws. And then I was really, like you said, astounded that Marketplace even followed behind. I'm right. like, you already got the Wayfair. You're done. You don't need a Marketplace. Right. Do the but Wayfair like, thing. But it was, it. I mean, and to hear kind of some of the states talk about Wayfair, it's as if the court not only approved the $100,000 threshold, you know, they, they talk about it, but the, the court didn't say that's a-okay but that they also somehow blessed marketplace facilitation collection. And, yeah. you know, and that's an untested, we have no idea whether or not that's actually like yeah. constitutional. I mean, everybody's rolling with it, but, right. um, but well, it, Kansas, that was interesting. they have a zero Wayfair law. <laughs> really? Yeah. Like, and then what do you tell it? What do you tell a company? If my clients have like five or six states and Kansas is one of them, I'm like, what are we going to do? We're going to fight Kansas. But, Right. For 500 bucks? No, you're, you already have a system. We've implemented right. a system. Right. Just turn Kansas on. It's just right. not worth the fight. Right. You're not going to be the one taking it to court unless you want to get together and do a class action. <laughs> like right. They're like, forget it. I, I'm done. I don't care that much about Kansas. So there's your challenge. <laughs> exactly. And in, and in the sales tech side, it's so hard because it's somebody else's money. I mean, oh, yeah. Yeah, you have the compliance costs, but if if you get it wrong, oh, it's a, it's a bad, money. bad answer. But, Very bad uh, answer. Yeah. Well, so, especially I, when you're selling to people like you or me, you're not going to come back to me and send me a bill for 14 cents right. for, yeah. you know, because a you forgot to put, thing. yeah. Yeah. No, I'd actually love to, cause then we wouldn't have the bad cat, but <laughs> I know, right? But your lodging taxes are high. You know, your travel taxes are high. So, yeah, but it yeah. is a weird thing to be there and like, I don't have to pay sales tax on that. <laughs> you feel so free. The bill is like an even number. <laughs> I know, I know. I know that, yeah, as we get these gross receipts taxes and some places have tried to push them through, that's been the number one like customer complaint is like, but it said it was 99 cents and you charged me 101. It's like, it's a penny. <laughs> it's literally a penny. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, people split hairs on that sort of oh, stuff. Oh yeah. So it's, um, but I don't know if we'll ever get there. I've, you know, uh, I, I don't know, right? I yeah, try to say it years. a lot, like in the, in rooms where I think it can be impactful, but I get shushed a lot too. So <laughs> Well, Nikki, we're certainly glad that you didn't stay shushed today. <laughs> you helped us take, you know, this podcast to a whole new, a whole new level that I think, you know, our I producers myself, like. What are you so doing? I feel pretty good about that. Don't do that. <laughs> but we really appreciate your time today. Best of luck, you know, with your new position. And we look forward to staying. And we'll touch. have you on in a year so we can talk about right? that transition. Awesome. Okay. Keep that going, right? Yeah. And the then, new you. Yep. And then of course, Judy, thank you again for your time. I'm Meredith Smith and until next time.